I want to go ahead and share the word with us. And I won't, I won't hold us. I won't put us into overtime. I'll do my best not to. I won't promise, but I'll do my best not to, to not to hold us into overtime. But this morning, and Dave, I hope, or Warren, I hope my PowerPoint is there. I didn't get around to checking it this morning, but I hope it's there. If not, we'll be okay. I want to preach to you a message. The Lord put this in my spirit this week. Uh, concerning worship, concerning our worship, uh, some of you may watch my, you know, my Sunday morning drive time, a little uh, blurb this morning, a little video. Uh, I, you know, I, I was, I really actually did very, very, well, I didn't do bad in school anyway. I never failed. I never, I never brought home, you know, I never brought home an F or anything like that. But, but I did goof off. Okay, tenth grade. For when I hit the tenth grade, I got the driver's permit, and I found other things to spark my interest. Okay, and uh, I goofed off a lot in high school. And as I goofed off a lot in high school, I, I can uh, I can remember I, I just wasn't too. Uh, I don't know what they call the classes now. Back back in my day, it was called English. And, uh, I can, uh, I can remember goofing off quite a bit in English class until I became a senior. And senior, senior English I thought was, it was actually supposed to be pretty tough, but I had a teacher named Miss Austin. She was like that teacher. Y'all remember that teacher in school? That teacher that nobody liked? That teacher is, that's like, uh, you know, like the, uh, boot camp sergeant, that teacher that, you know, everybody despises, that teacher that nobody gets along with, that teacher that, you know, in my day she had, I, I, I bet, I bet every, every day she used one full can of Aquanet hairspray in her hair. Every day. I mean, it was, you know, it was like stiff. It looked like, it looked like it could break at any time. But you know what? Miss Austin and I, we hit it off really good. Now, part of that was because I was also enrolled in Votech school at that time. And in my senior year, I was in auto mechanics too. So I took care of all of her oil changes and, and all like that. You know, it's good to have friends. But no, seriously, seriously, I recouped. I recouped in Miss Austin's English class in senior English. And, uh, and I did come out learning a little bit. And I learned just a little bit about verbs and nouns. And I, I remember that a verb is an action word. And I remember that a noun is like a peop, person, people, place, or thing. I remember those. So that, that's enough to get by. And that's what I'm going to preach to you about this morning. But as we go, I want you to find John chapter 4, verses 19 through 25 in your Bible. And you say, what in the world does verbs and nouns have to do with worship? Well, I, I hope by the time I get done that you'll, we'll, we'll gather, you'll gather my point and you'll have a better understanding of where I'm going this morning. But John chapter 4, verse 19. And as we go forward, Warren, you'll have to click that forward. My clicker's not working, sir. Hopefully it'll go forward. Is it there? Not there? Okay. John chapter 4, verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, this is a woman that was he wasn't supposed to be meeting with, by the way. At least she didn't think so. And he's already told her, he's told her at this well, and you've heard that story probably, of 
she, she's at the well and Jesus is there when at a time he shouldn't be there according to Jewish tradition. And he meets this lady and he begins to tell her all kinds of things about her life. In fact, that she's done been married, I think it was five times and the husband she had now was really not her husband at all. And, and he, and he, and he says, woman, believe me that a time is coming that a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jew. Roll on there, Warren, if you can, sir. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks, that He's looking for. Okay. God is spirit, not a spirit. Notice that. God is spirit, not a spirit. God is spirit. And His worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And there we go, Warren. It's going to let me do it now. Thank you, sir. Picked up and started working. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that is here among us. Lord, let us reap the benefits of being under the cloud today. Lord, let us let us receive what you have for us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship has a very distinct association with religion. Now, I use religion in a very loose, very broad term. There are many religions in the world. Uh, we, Sarah and I, were, we listened to a minister preaching this morning. And he was talking about Hinduism. He was talking about Buddhism. Uh, and uh, there, there are many religions in the world. Christianity is a religion. But it's different than any other religion, of course. And, and most of us in the, in the world, most people in the world, if you begin to mention worship, they begin to think about religion. Religion can be Christian. It can be pagan. It can be idol worship. People that say, well, no, I, I really don't have a God. I don't believe in any religion, but yet they are still worshipers in that they worship something. It's because every one of us in this room, everyone watching by Facebook Live, every one of us that will listen by EV radio or listen, you know, on the podcast later in the week, every one of us in this room, we worship in some way. There's no exemption. It's because worship is the search of something that gives us a feeling or, if you would, at least the inclination that we have some self-worth. Everybody wants to feel needed. Everybody wants to feel they have that place. Everybody wants to feel they have some accomplishments. A lot of times when people are struggling with anxiety and, and especially with depression, they will feel like they are worthless and they're searching and they're looking for something to give them that feeling of self-worth. They're looking for something. Uh, they're, they're, uh, many times people 
their physical appearance will be discouraged. They will get discouraged within themselves because, and we, we hear of, of young ladies especially that will become anorexic and, and, or maybe they will begin cutting themselves and doing things like that because they feel like they're, they're, they're worthless and they have no value and they begin to look for something that gives them a feeling of worth. So the thing that we find as people, the thing that we find to give us our worth is actually the recipient of our worship. Did you catch that? The, the, the thing that we find or the circumstance or the person that we find to give us our feeling of self-worth is actually the recipient of our worship. And the recipient of our worship can come in the form of, it may be your job. It, it may, it may be your career choice. It may be your job. You know, I, I remember back in the day when I had my, when I had my shop and, uh, and, uh, I would paint a car, especially if it was, you know, a, 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 a special car, you know, a hot rod or a street rod or, or some muscle car or, or a motorcycle. And I really took great pride, if, especially if it was a really special color or something. I love red, by the way. And, and it really made me feel really special when I'd get done and I would begin to pull all that masking and all the tape off of a car and you'd see all of this bright shiny paint and you would walk around it and and occasionally you'd walk around it and you didn't even find one run and all of that paint and that would make and, and, and it would make me feel real good like I had, had done a really good job and listen to me there's nothing wrong with you taking pride in your work there's nothing wrong with you feeling good about your work but but what I'm saying is oftentimes the things that we do we are, are, are the things that replace our need of gratification if you would it replaces our need of being uh, uh, accomplished with self-worth. It could come through a job. It could come through uh, educational achievements, and we're going to we're going to acknowledge those a little bit later this morning. It could come from winning a contest. It could come from somebody just bragging on you. You know, my wife tells me all the time how good looking I am, and and, and I appreciate that. And and then I ask the Lord to forgive her for telling lies because you know you know. But, but we find ourselves, sometimes we find ourselves, worship involves, you know, giving, giving our attention and giving our thing to the thing that we find that is gratifying or making us feel of worth. Now, when we think of worship in, in the terms of most of us as uh, church folk, or if you're here and you're not church folk, you you probably still understand what I'm talking about this morning. Worship to most of us, and because we're Pentecostals, and it probably even is more applicable to our lives, because as Pentecostals we really we really promote, and there, again, there's nothing wrong with promoting this, but we really are given over to demonstrative worship, charismatic Pentecostal worship, very demonstrative. There's not anything wrong with that. It's 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 proper and it's well and it's good in its place. But what happens to us if we're not careful? Worship only becomes to us a verb. And what I mean with that is worship becomes something that we do. Okay? And certainly we do worship. 
We call it praise and worship time. We call it praise and worship team. And certainly worship, there is a demonstrative side. There is an outward expression of worship. But I want you to know that that not only is there an outward demonstration of worship, but there is also can be an outward demonstration of worship and there are people that can, there are people that can. And I'm not suggesting that you start second guessing your neighbor. I'm not asking you to even second guess your own worship. But what I, what I do want to share with you is this thought, and I'm going to show you in scripture that we can have an outward demonstration of worship and our hearts still not necessarily be right with God. Because when we go to Matthew chapter 15, Jesus reveals there that there are people that worshipped him demonstratively. There's people that outwardly did his works. There are people that cast out devils. There are people that healed sick. But when it, when it came time, he looked at them and he, he calls them workers of evil. And he tells them to depart from him because he never even knew them. Even though demonstratively they they demonstrated and they illustrated worship outwardly so i what i'm the point i'm getting to you this morning is this or that i'm attempting to get to you is just because that i uh you know this because we demonstratively uh, worship, we have an outward expression of worship. I think we still have to search our hearts to make sure that we're still worshipers of God. We do the verb part really, really good. We do the verb part really, really good. You know, I, I remember a friend of mine a number of years ago, I haven't seen him in lots and lots of years. He could preach the pain off a wall. He was an evangelist friend of mine and, 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 and has, he would preach. One time I was, we were doing a revival together and I was helping out with the music. He was doing the preaching and, 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 and his old Tim, Tim Cook was his name and old Tim was preaching. Man, he preached the proverbial pain off the wall and, and, and there was people that, that come up that, that to get saved that had just been leading worship. They'd been leading worship. They had shouted their shoe heels off. But then they came up after the word of God and the Holy Spirit had convicted them. They come up to get saved. They said, I've been leading worship for years, but I never have been saved. Yeah. The Oak Ridge boys, some of y'all, 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 even you younger people know though, the Oak Ridge boys used to talk, they, they, they shared their own testimony of how they would, they would, uh, they would, uh, uh, get, uh, they would do these gospel services when they were a gospel group, quote unquote, and then they would get back on their bus and have these outlandish parties. But they just caused an auditorium of people to, they just led them in worship and shout. Now, does God honor, does God honor demonstrative worship? I think He does. I think He does. But it's not, it's more than, than, than the, the, the demonstrative side. It's more than the verb. You see, because when worship is only a verb, we can be far from God and still make an outward expression. It, it's sort of like this. Doing or worship as a verb, doing worship doesn't make us true worshipers any more than barking makes us a dog. Ah, 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 ah. That's 
That's my poodle imitation. I can bark all day long and it doesn't make me a dog. I can... Doesn't make me a cat. I love this one. I love, Sarah's dad's got this big, this big livestock clock behind his house, and I love it. She does it too, but she won't. She won't demonstrate. But doesn't make me a cow. I can sit on my carport, and it doesn't make me a car. And and simply the, the the demonstrative, and I'm not trying to discourage any of us today, but the demonstrative side of worship, doing worship, all of the things that we do, does not necessarily mean that we are truly worshiping God. Although I do, again, I underwrite this and say, and, and I put a disclaimer here, don't stop the demonstrative worship. But what I'm wanting us to see that today is God is calling us not only to demonstrative worship, but He he wants us to be true worshipers of Him. And I had to make this small to fit on the blackboard, but I hope you can switch and read it. So see, Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord... Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So, so we see that as we find ourselves worshiping as a verb, we can worship as a verb, yet not truly be worshipers of God. Now, I know that sort of of a paradox, sort of doesn't make sense, sort of a, a contradiction of terms, if you would. But then, when we begin to think about the noun, and you can look this up, you can find worship as a verb, and you can find worship as a noun in its definition and meaning. But when worship becomes a noun to us, worship as a verb is, is the action, it's the demonstration. But when worship becomes a noun to us, when worship becomes a noun, worship in the noun form means a reverent love or an ardent devotion. You see, true worship, true worship is not found in doing, but true worship, listen to me real quick carefully. True worship is not really found in doing, but true worship is found in being. True worship is not found in doing, True worship is found in being. There's people, we saw a couple of scriptural illustrations. There are people that did, but that did not mean they did worship, but that did not mean that did not create them or make them true worshipers. But you see, the, tr- the, 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 the worship, the verb worship does not necessarily mean that you are the noun worshiper. But when you become the noun worshiper, then the Outward demonstration of worship is going to occur in your life. So what we see is this. It's a reverent love or ardent devotion according to one definition I read. True worship is not found in doing. True worship is found in, in existing. You see, worship in the scripture is taken from a worse proskuneo, which literally means to kiss the hand of God, which means it is bowing in submission and giving yourself, fully submitting yourself to the king, if you would. 
It's the noun, listen, it's that noun, proskuneo. It's that noun, it's the noun worship that caused a woman with a bleeding disorder to push through a crowd, to crawl maybe until her, her knuckles were bare, her, her, her legs were, were, were raw from crawling, pressing through, trying to get to Jesus. It wasn't the verb, it wasn't the verb worship that drew her there, but it was the noun worship. It was the ardent love, it was the desire that she had to get to the presence of Jesus. Listen, it was the noun that caused a group of friends to rip the roof off of the house and put their good friend, their buddy, their pal on a stretcher and lower him down through the roof where Jesus is because they had an ardent love. They have a, a reverent love for this man Jesus that was in, in that little hut that night. It's the noun worship that caused a group of fishermen to ditch their nets and to abandon their boats and to leave their livelihood and say, we are going to sell out Jesus and we are going to follow you. And they followed him, whatever the cost. You see, it was the noun that caused Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus while Martha was running around doing all the stuff in the house and she was actually accusatory of her sister. It was Mary that sat at the feet of Jesus and ministered to him because she had had that reverent love and that ardent devotion. She worshipped in the form of a noun. She was a worshipper. And listen to me, you and I, we need to realize demonstrative worship is not the precursor to your relationship in Jesus Christ, but your relationship with Jesus Christ is the precursor to the demonstration of worship that should come forth out of our lives. If we're in love with Jesus, we'll worship Him. But just because you raise hands and raise voices does not necessarily mean you're in ardent love with him. So, pastor, are you saying we shouldn't raise hands? No, 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 no. Don't go out here and say, preacher said we shouldn't raise our voices, raise our hands. Because the pastor's not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, what I am saying is, we need to make sure that we are worship. The noun. You see, worship as the verb is all good, but worship as the verb does not mean anything if we're not worshipers or if we're not, don't understand worship as the noun. You see, God engaged in our lives. You see, when we become a worshiper, we have that reverent love, that ardent devotion. Here's what happens. Worship for us will go deeper than a Sunday, once a week, Sunday morning, hour for us, it's an hour and 15 minutes. Work, true worship will involve more than an hour and 15 minute service. Now probably only 30 minutes of that is praise and worship time where we're worship. And I'm not trying to dampen the worship that has gone up in this place this morning. It thrilled my soul. It, it blessed my heart. I think, I think it was, it was wonderful. It was actually spectacular. And it was good. And, and Jesus is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. And I, I, I don't want to dampen that at all. But what I am saying to us, you know, a number of years ago, uh, 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 one of my mentors, one of my spiritual mentors, he, he, uh, he went to a revival and, and a young man preached a revival and he went up and he talked to that young man after he got done preaching. And, and he said, man, uh, he said, that was a great message. He said, young man, he said, he said, how long have you been preaching? And the young man said, I've been preaching X amount of years. He said, well, how many years have you been saved? He says, you know, I don't ever recall being saved. 
I don't ever call surrender. I've just always been in the church. I was born in the church and I've always been in the church. I don't ever recall being saved. You know, you know what? That sounds bizarre and that sounds weird, but you know what? I have a notion there's people probably sitting in this room this morning. There's people watching my Facebook Live this morning. There's people that will listen by Extreme Voice Radio that says, well, I've just always been in the church. The church has always been a part of my life. Going to church and, and whether you sing hymns or whether you sing an, uh, sing an elevation or Bethel, whether you, whether, whether you sing in Southern Gospel or you're doing rap, uh, but, but you, you, you've always did that. That's always been your worship. But you have never come to know worship as a noun. You have never come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. That's where we that's where we can find ourselves in trouble. That's where we can find ourselves in difficulty. Because, you know, you see, I see, I see and I find in the Word of God that, 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 that the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, I find that he is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. He, he you know... He, he would deceive the very elect, the scripture says, if it were possible. You see, if, if the deceiver, you know, if the deceiver could cause me or cause you, if he could cause any of us to come and, and sit on the pews and, and be a part of worship service, and he could cause any of us just to sit and be relaxed and, and do our thing, come and go, you know, give my hour, raise hands, I'll sing a few songs, and I'll do all that, and, and still be lost. He has done his work because he has deceived us. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus wants more than just our worship as a verb. He wants more than a verb out of us. He wants the noun. He wants us to have that ardent love and devotion to Him that that, that comes because He is the entity. He is the source. He is the place wherein we find ourselves worth. It's not your job. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It shouldn't be your kids. They all have their place. All that's well, all that's good. It shouldn't be how well you can paint a car. It shouldn't be how well you can uh, draw a picture or do a portrait or any of the things that you do. But listen to me. You, when you begin and I begin to find that place where we find our self-worth in Jesus Christ, we will begin to worship Him and we will worship Him in spirit. We will worship Him in truth and we will be the worshiper that Jesus told that woman at the well was coming. Because it's not about what you say I am. It's not about what somebody else says I am. It's not about what somebody else has told you all of your life. It's not about, it's not about how good you have been able to do this or how good you've been able to do that. It's not about how, how you, you achieve. You know, it's, it's not, it's not about any of those things at all. But the reality of it is, you know, uh, most of y'all know, you, you, you know, I, you, most of you know I play bluegrass. And, and, and I played, I played for many, many years. I played for many, many years until a number of years ago. I went and played in a competition. Hadn't played in a competition for probably 20 years. And I went and played it and never did win. In those early years, never won anything. Except a participation ribbon, you know. <laughs> a number of years ago, I went and I, 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 I Surprise myself when I, I, I begin to win. And, and I still, I do like competing. I do it. I, I do, I do it. But you know something? I, I, I've, ha, I've had to learn that my self-worth is not based on how well I do in that competition. And I, I, I thought about, I thought about 
you know, we, we read about how David played his harp. How David played. Calm down, Saul. <laughs> he played his harp before the Lord. And, and we, we think about, and I think about that. Lord, you know what? It, it don't matter how well anybody scores me or how anybody grades me or what anybody thinks about my abilities along that line. But what matters most is, is, is what I do. I do unto you. I do unto the Lord. I give what you've given me. I give it back to you. I use it for worship. I worship you with that ardent affection. So this is it. When worship becomes a noun, it, it goes deeper than us just coming and gathering in worship together. Now that has its place and it's well and good. Actually, I believe it's very much a part. I, I, I would even deem it a necessity. But when we grasp hold of worship as it is in a noun and realize the noun precedes the verb, We'll get up a worshiper every morning. And we'll go to bed a worshiper every night. You see, what I mean by that is, I will find my, my self-worth when I get up in the morning will not be. Can I say this as a, as a pastor, as a preacher of the gospel for, for, for soon to be 30 years. Can I, can I say this to you? I, I, I can't find myself worth. Now I appreciate sometimes some of y'all compliment me and I appreciate that. I, and it, they really are nice. Don't misunderstand me. I appreciate them very much. But I, but I, I, in, in ministry, I had to realize, especially in those early years, my, my self-worth of ministry did not necessarily come with somebody coming up and telling me that was a real good message. I had to find and know that I was pleasing God and I was giving God and I was giving him my best and I was giving him my all and I was I was releasing to him all of my affection and everything I do was out of my love for him. So you get up a worshiper, you got up a worshiper this morning. You go to bed a worshiper at night and you and everything in between. You realize your self-worth does not come from the circumstance that you got up in, the circumstance that you'll go to bed in, and anything else in between. Your self-worth when you're a worshiper of God comes from knowing that He loved you so much that He was willing to give everything that He had. He bankrupt heaven, if you would, as we say, for you. And because of that, you are somebody. You are worth something. You have self-worth. You have you have something about you that nobody can take away. And God sees that. And God knows that. And God purchased that. And He invested in you. And because you are loved so much, then you can be the worshiper of Him. You see, He loves you so much that His passion yielded His Son. And when we become so in love with Jesus, what a powerful name it is, that name of Jesus. Y'all come back up here prepare to do just a little bit more of that. Would you please, praise team, just prepare to do, come on, Rissa, prepare, prepare to do just a little bit more of that. You understand, it was a passionate love for you that God had that he gave Himself as the Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to realize that. In, in a sense of speaking, 
He had such a love for you that God actually worshipped His creation of humanity. The Bible says that it was pleased, it pleased God when He created man. Later, you know, we know a short time later, man, some, sometime later, man would disappoint God. But understand this, God loved His creation, His breath in creation. The, the creation that He breathed the pneuma, the breath of life in. God loved creation so much that He gave everything He had for creation. You know what? That says a lot. That's how passionate He is about you and me. But do you know what? How passionate are we about Him? You see, if we truly worship Him, do we have such a passion that we're willing to bankrupt everything we have for Him? He did us. You say, yeah, but He's God. He loved us so much, He gave everything He had. Do we love Him so much that we're willing to give everything we have to Him? You see, because that in essence is true worship. Lifting hands is good, it has its place, it's fine, it's a part of it. Lifting hands, lifting voices, giving in, giving financially, all of those things are, are, are results, those are worship the verb. But we can't just do worship the verb, we must be worship the noun. We be, we must be worship of a reverent love and an ardent devotion. And here's the thing. If we will be worship the noun, then we're not going to struggle with worship the love. Because when, when I truly worship God, He has my, all my love. He has all of my devotion. When I truly worship Him, it's not going to be hard for me to do this. To write out a check and pay my tithe. To be committed to my church. To do all the other things that we associate with worship. You see, that, that those things are not, those things are just going to become natural. You see, it's, the dog doesn't bark. The dog, the dog is not a dog because it can bark. Actually, I've seen dogs that can't bark. The dog, is a, the dog is not a dog because it can bark. The dog barks because it's a dog. The cat can't meow. Uh, because, the cat is not a cat because it meows. It meows because it's a cat. The car is not a car because it sits in a driveway. The car sits in the driveway because it's a car first. And understand this. You, you and I, you know, our worship is, 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 is embraced by God. But more than the outward expression, more than the verb, He wants our worship to be out of our heart. So I just want to ask you to do this. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And those at home watching, you can join us. I'm just going to ask you a question. In the last several weeks, I've had several people that I'm acquainted with that has had uh, had to have heart bypass surgery and different things done um, I got a friend that's uh, that just had kidney transplant I, I got you know I know some people that are on waiting lists and people that are waiting for for transplants to be changed but I wonder spiritually this morning as we're sitting in this room and we're watching 
by Facebook Live. I wonder how many people would say, without any embarrassment, say, I need a change of heart this morning. I need a change of heart. Maybe you're doing the verbiage well. Maybe you're raising hands. Maybe you're raising voices. Maybe you're shouting. Maybe you're singing the songs. But in your heart, that self-worth, you're not finding that self-worth through Jesus Christ in your heart. Is there a person in this room that would slip up your hand without any embarrassment? I'm not going to point you out, call you out, or call you name. But would say to me, say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm searching for that feeling of self-worth in this place. Is there one person? I'm looking. Thank you. Is there another? I'm looking. I'm searching for that place of self-worth. Well, I thank you for that hand. And this is what I want us to do right now. I want us there, everybody in this room to stand. And that person that raised their hand, let me say to you. You cannot even imagine the worth that God has placed on your life. You are worth enough for Him to die for you. And He did just that. And the Bible says, No greater love has any man than to lay down his life for another. So right now, your self-worth, your worship is found in Jesus Christ. And you have to believe that. You see, everything that we do as Christians, everything that we do is by faith. Everything is by faith. Faith is, faith is, 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 is believing in something we can't touch, we can't feel, we can't see necessarily, we can't necessarily hear, but we believe it. We believe it. It's the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things unseen. It's what we say in Christianese, you know, we use that Bible scripture. So today I want us to pray in this room. And I want us to pray and ask Jesus to help us to find our self-worth in Him. As they sing, let's pray. Fathers, we come to you today. Lord, we worship you and we bless you. Lord, today you are a good, good God. You're a good, good Father. And Jesus, as we come to you, Lord, I pray for the one that's raised their hand in this room this morning. And perhaps several others, Lord God, that are watching by by social media. Those that may be listening by radio. God, I pray that today, Lord, that we will be a people that will find our self-worth in you. We'll be a people that will find that in you, in you is our everything. In you, Lord. Lord, is my hope. In you is my confidence. And I pray for that. I pray for that person. I pray that, Lord, that they will put aside words that have been spoken. Words that have been spoken over them. Generational curses. Generational hand-me-downs that have been given to them from maybe... Maybe their their parents or their grandparents or someone else. Maybe it's words that teachers or instructors or co-workers have spoken over them. Lord God, we refuse to accept any other report except the report of the Lord. And today, Lord, we accept the fact, 
Lord God, that our self-worth is found in you. And because our self-worth is found in you, Lord, we will be a worshiper of you. We worship you, God, because you made us who we are. We worship you today because you have created us in your image. Lord, in your style, in your design. Today, Lord Jesus, Lord, you, Lord God, are my self-worth. Lord, I exist in you. I exist for you. Lord, I exist because, Lord God, Lord, you saw it well and good to create me. Though I was formed, Lord, in in the womb of my mother, God, I still believe, Lord, I'm ordained and I'm created. And Lord, I was made by you, Lord Jesus. And God, I believe that today, Lord, that my worth, my self-worth, my total worth, my entirety of who I am exists because of you. You see me. You behold me. And Lord, today, Lord, you make me into what you want me to be and into who you would have me to be. Lord, I will not be discouraged. I pray for the one that raised their hand. They won't be discouraged. They won't feel let down. They will not listen to the voices in their head, the voices that surround them, that tell them that they're worth, that they're worthless, or they're in, that Lord, that their value is diminished, or their value is decreased. But Lord God, our worth, our value is found in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray. God, let us be true worshipers of you. Amen. Now, if we're truly worshipers of God, we ought to be able, without any reservation, to just be able to lift our hands and begin to worship Him right now. Audible voice, hands of surrender. God, we worship You. We bless You. We praise You right now. Lord, we receive no condemnation. Lord, we receive, Lord God. Lord... No criticism, Lord. Lord, today, God, we are You. We worship You. You are working in us and through us. God, what a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name the name of Jesus is. Today, we worship You. We worship You without hesitation. And we worship You outwardly because we know worship inwardly, Lord. Lord, we have and we express our ardent love, our devotion for You, Lord God, today. God, we express, Lord Jesus, our love for You. Lord, with raised hands and raised voices. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give Jesus an ovation of praise right now? Amen. He is worthy. He is worthy.